Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Joining me on a journey today, and it's been a long journey since the last podcast. The last podcast was me mumbling on about the Apple Watch Series 7, but we've gone back to how we are known for at the journey, and that is interviewing people and what inspires them and what makes their journey unique to others. So joining me from England, even if I'm British and in America, is Lily Walford. Lily is an international dating coach who's been focused on how busy professionals can date safety and successfully when the relationship in the dating industry has been focused on. And she's also a behavioral profiler, profiler, hypnotist, life coach, NLP master practitioner and trained specialized in relationships. And I think this is her quote, it's important for us to provide our clients with the most effective solutions within the dating and relationship industry so they can find long lasting, real and genuine love. Hi, Lily. Hello. (laughs) Welcome to the journey. And this has been a journey as well for me to get in contact with you because I think you got in contact about six months ago or five months ago. Yeah. And I started work. My schedule's changed. I got in touch with you. You're, you was busy. And then <laughs> we're here now. We're here now. That's the main thing. <laughs> yes. So tell us about your journey. Yeah. So oh, where do I begin? So, yeah, long story short. So obviously I'm a, um, a relationship and dating coach now. Um, but previously I actually worked as a traditional accountant and my relationship history back then was freaking terrible. Um, so I ended up dating a, a psychopathic narcissist. And I know that term gets thrown around a lot. So mm-hmm. a, a narcissist is someone with the empathy part of the brain is actually under underdeveloped. So they're unable to feel empathy, but they can see it. So they tend to use people to manipulate people and things like that. I think um, most people think it's someone who takes lots of selfies and can't get away from the mirror. <laughs> so, um, I call those people self-obsessed people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, it's um, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's definitely become more of a buzzword in the dating industry. And I think lots of people just don't know what it what it actually means to be you know a narcissist um but yeah so I was in that relationship and when that relationship ended I was stalked for five years and it kind of got me thinking okay how do people go around and date safely and enter a healthy relationship so (laughs) I went into a few um, other rubbish relationships after that but it got to a point where I decided to start to go into things like NLP and go into, um, you know, hypnotherapy and life coaching. And I thought that was absolutely amazing. It blew my mind, but it it made me realize that it wasn't quite enough. You know, you can have the most amazing self-confidence, amazing self-worth, but it's not going to um, prevent you from, you know, not attracting any sort of toxic personalities into your life. So 
you know, it's like being, um, like saying to a sheep, look, if you've got fantastic self-worth and self-confidence, that wolf isn't going to come over and eat you. (laughs) You know, a wolf is going to be a wolf. So this is when I actually met someone called um, Chase Hughes. And Chase has got um, like $30 million worth of government-backed research. He's a world leader in uh, behavioral profiling. And um, he basically trains people to be um, like Jason Bourne and James Bond, you know, at that kind of level. It's insane. And when I learned a lot of things that he teaches, it's, it's a lot about profiling people within six minutes or less, reading people to the point where you can see if they're telling the truth better than a polygraph machine. Um, it made me realize that there was ways to be able to see the truth in people. So then you're able to enter relationships safely and successfully. Mm. Because that is the biggest issue, I suppose, in dating nowadays. I know I met my wife. I will be open about it. I met her online. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, you know the dangers of dating online because you don't know physically until you physically see face to face. Yeah. And in this example, I was in England, I was in Cornwall, she's where she is now, 3,500 miles away. <laughs> I had to convince, get her to feel trustworthy of me because I was that distance apart from her. Yeah. So luckily I've got the, you know, phone that does FaceTime. Well, most phones do FaceTime, but this one I'm not advertising because we've not been promoted by the company. But I used the fruit brand to talk to her. I mm. FaceTimed her and then I gained her trust also. I said, look, at the end of the day, if you've got one that you too, you can message, you know, on that for free. And she's like, no, you can't, no, you can't. I said, you can't. She didn't believe me but the fact was she went and asked because she wanted to believe it and mm. they told her yes FaceTime is free messaging if they got the same sort of phone as you it's free so that's how we gained our trust and I didn't just jump on a plane and say I'm coming to meet you <laughs> it's a year Lovely. So you took that time to really get to know each other yeah. before you actually so that met. Time, yeah, that time was good. And it was mm. fabulous. Yes, but, yes. And this is the thing. It's like you prioritise each other. But I know from my personal experience, and I'm saying before I was even with my wife, I jumped in too deep because I didn't do those visual minders, as you would call it, in are they okay, what they like, you know, that sort of thing. I just thought, what the heck? I just jumped in. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like... um, And it bit me, literally, it bit me out. Yeah, yeah. I think this is the thing, we sort of jump into relationships and assume that other people have our best interests at heart, and it's not always the case, and that's when we have people, um, you know, doing things or saying things or treating us in a certain way, which can be really tough. Yeah, it's like I, I respect my privacy and I was, every time I talk about my past, I usually just say my past. But there's one relationship I thought was good, but it felt like I was a living babysitter all the time. There was mm. no real relationship there. Yes, it's like when you're actually needed rather than wanted. It's like they need yeah. you to be able to look after and them I, and do and all I, things. And I was in that circle of... I believe in that person. Six months later, 
I don't believe in that person. I'm going back. So I was traveling near the case. It was 300 miles back to and fro every six months, believing and then coming back because I kept believing in that one person. Yeah. And I was for that. (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing. It's like when we've got big hearts, we see the potential in someone. And when we see the potential of someone, it's so easy to fall in love with that versus actually seeing the person for what they are. And it's like, um, I see this so often where it's like people think, okay, if I can do this or I can support them or I can build them up. And it's, it's tough because we're not responsible for the other person's journey, but we want to be able to support them in any way we can because we can see the potential. Yeah. And as soon as we end up going into that sort of um, it's almost like a parent child dynamic, you know, <laughs> where you have to become the parent and pull that person up. It's like, come on, it's great up here. Come up here. <laughs> um, you know, it ends up um, playing around with the dynamic of whether you're attracted to that person, whether you feel connected to that person and whether you feel respected by that person as well. Because mm. it's like that level of respect that really builds that connection up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, six months I was in one location. Six months I was back in Cornwall. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and, and I personally put it on, and I'm not disrespecting this person because, I, you know, regardless, you know, they are still yeah. a person. But it felt like because of what happened to them in the past, Mm. They were scared of letting go themselves because they were afraid of it happening again. Yes, yes. And it's it's this. It's like most people are so afraid of being able to even experience love. They're so, mm. like I said, they're so afraid to, to be in hurt because that's what's happened to them in the past. And it's interesting because these kind of patterns also um, relate back to childhood we try to recreate the relationship or the feeling or the environment that we had as a child through our relationships. Yeah. So, um, you know, if they were in a, if they had a interesting relationship with their parents where they were not emotionally available or something like that, they can end up going into relationships where they didn't have that connection or that emotional availability. And then when they finally get it, it's too scary to be able to experience it and to appreciate it. So there is an expression that all people would say, true love. Is there ever true love or is it just finding someone that's right for you? Ah, so my perception of love is that it needs four main things. Um, so the first one is compatibility. Like, are you fully compatible with that person? Because otherwise it feels like, you're both putting in different zip codes or postcodes and going in completely different directions. And it feels like you have to compromise to stay with that person. And that can feel really tough to be able to do. And then the other thing is that communication. Can you, are you able to openly communicate? Because the best couples um, or the healthiest couples tend to talk about lots, you know, when it comes to their feelings or their needs or interests and all these different things. The other one is consideration, being considerate of each other, putting the relationship first, because that's super important when you're building something together. And then the last one is um, collaboration. So being in a place where you can work together to get the best outcome of the relationship. So when it comes to things like true love, I believe it's that level of commitment to do those four things and be those four things for that partner. Yeah, Mm. and that is 
really good because that is what people tend to gloss over. Mm -hmm. Yes, they want the superficial stuff. People gloss over it because they think it's smooth, it's okay. But like I said, it's not okay. You've got to do those four steps, I think, as well. Yeah, for sure. I haven't read your book or I haven't read much about what you sent me. I'm just going from what I just got here. So I've got no. (laughs) But I know the factor is you got to do those four things because you've got to make sure you're compatible because some people just think, yeah, let's jump in. Let's jump in deep end. And then it bounces back. And I, not only myself, I've seen other people who've been in that situation and it's heartbreaking because you see how much that one person tries to make the relationship work. And I use your music as well. And they're not getting anything in response back. It's like the cold shoulder or it's verbal abuse, it's mental abuse, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's this thing of like, um, you know, when it feels like the ownership is just on one partner, that's where it becomes really unhealthy as well because it takes two to build that relationship up. And it's quite interesting because so many people feel when they've gone through a relationship that's that's failed they they try to blame themselves and it's not it's just sometimes just relationships don't work out so going forward and i know you've got a book and i think this is one reason why you can't contact me originally because you had a book published (laughs) what is the book about (laughs) if you remember when it yeah, so the, the book's coming out in February and it's all about being able to take the right steps to build a healthy, loving relationship. So it's the whole journey from being single to being able to build yourself up to be in a healthy relationship and how to develop that into a healthy relationship too. Because so many people tend to get stuck when it comes to dating and meeting the right one. They get stuck in the pattern of dating the same type of person again and again and again. And this book helps you break that pattern. And I assume that would be for most online retail sellers. Yes, yes. Um, predominantly Amazon, but yes. <laughs> I will make sure I find a link and then post it when Thank it's you. in the description below and wherever I put it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Because I can't subtext it whilst talking. That's the weirdest thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit awkward. <laughs> so, um, would you say your journey has been, you know, when you wrote the book, did you use it from what you were talking and also self-experience? Yeah, a lot of it was um, from self-experience because what I tend to find is that all the relationship and dating books out there, um, I didn't feel they gave the best advice or the best insights for people to be able to go into healthy relationships so if I think of a couple of books I won't name them because that's a bit rude <laughs> but there was, was a book out there that was just all about you know just go out there and, and meet people and it was more about you know playing the numbers game it's like well that doesn't work for people you know it doesn't matter how many people you go ahead and date it's about making sure that you're dating the right person Um, Another one talks about the way that we connect um, as adults and it kind of allowed 
um, uh, for people to have a really bad toxic connection and also and, and almost back it up that this is the reason why and that's okay and it's like no it's not <laughs> so it's being able to help people um, you know understand what their patterns are when it comes to love how to prevent them and stop them and how they can go on to actually meet a compatible partner who's right for them and how to go on to build that relationship together because even when you get into a relationship a healthy relationship the first year or two it's about finding that healthy dynamic you know you're learning a lot about each other finding the boundaries of each other finding um how to communicate and how to work through problems and life's ups and downs and you know during those times people can self-sabotage people can fall back into previous patterns people can start pushing away love and um, that can be quite a difficult time to navigate together. So it's teaching mm. people how to go through that process in a very um, easy way. <laughs> yeah. And another thing, and I'm trying to word this in the right way also, people think intimacy is the key to a good relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but, that, yeah. It's, I think sometimes when you, like I said, if you jump in too deep, you've hardly known that person. So you've got to go to that stage, you know, there's that stages before you get to intimacy, I think. Yeah, well, the funny thing is people assume that intimacy is all about sex and it's not. It's like intimacy is about this connection and creating that space to be vulnerable. And that's a two-way thing. Because if there's not that space to be able to have the difficult conversations or the conversations that we have with nobody else and being able to feel safe to be able to do that and also to feel seen, heard and appreciated, um, that's super important. And yeah, you're right, you know, that definitely needs to to come before sex. Because, <laughs> um, you know, so many people, you know, they jump in, they get the good dose of all the, the good chemicals in the brain, and that's it. They become infatuated. And it's the worst possible way to love. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think this is it. You know, people place so much value on attraction. But, you know, attraction is important, but it's not the priority. It's having the substance within that relationship to be able to feel connected. Because if you haven't got that, you haven't got anything. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to discuss while we're here? Yeah, well, we can kind of go into a little bit of the dating patterns, if you like, because that's quite yeah. fun to kind of talk about. Because you know when you have people sort of going into the same toxic relationships again and again and again, it's like, oh, how do I break this pattern? <laughs> or going into yeah. failed relationships again and again. So what we tend to find with those is kind of like um, our childhood influences um everything when it comes to our relationships our jobs and all sorts so you know when you're growing up as a child it's like okay what was the way that you received love you know some people have been the people pleasing thing of like oh I'll make the cup of tea I'll wash up and that's the way that they go ahead and get love and the way that that sort of plays out is like when they go to um you know go into their jobs it's like okay I'll do this I'll do that I'll stay late and they'll try and do everything and then in relationships it'll play out in the same way so it's like okay I'll do this I'll do that and and trying to get that love from that person 
The problem is when we have people like that, they struggle with boundaries and they end up feeling resentful or they feel like they've been taken advantage of or they feel underappreciated. So it's kind of like finding those patterns and also finding the people that they invite in their life where they're appreciated or taken advantage of. Um, other things that you can have as well, if you have someone who was highly valued for being independent, you know, it's like, okay, they've done a good job. They've gone out on their own. You know, they've been praised up to go ahead and um, I don't know whether it's just going off and being alone and making sure that they are solely independent. So maybe they get a job early. Maybe they move out early. Maybe they do things at an early stage. You know, what we'll find is they tend to be more, um, you know, independent in relationships and uh, they're unable to be connected to it because they've always been used to doing things alone and not relying mm. on anyone. So it's kind of like understanding that pattern of you and understanding that pattern of how you've received love and um, how that's influenced past relationships and how you can actually have a positive influence with that for future relationships too. Yeah, I understand that because I know from... Growing up myself, I was always sheltered. Mm -hmm. like I was always in my own room. I was not part of the dynamic or mixed. You know, my mum was yeah. a single mum. I don't fault her for that, but I was always in the bedroom. I was not part of major, major things. And growing up, I've always been, and I still do it now, and I get told off for it. I keep myself to myself. I'm always in the bedroom. I'm always self-sheltering away from things. And yes. I can't. <laughs> you need your space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like when we find that in like different situations, you probably find that, okay, it's a similar thing with work. It's like, cool, I've, I've socialised or I've been in that meeting or I've been around people, cool, I need to be on my own now. <laughs> and then I think my biggest issue and... I like to be a people pleaser. Yes, loads of people do. <laughs> and I think that doesn't solve anything because that doesn't build a good relationship for me within the work environment. And I'm not condoning my job in any way because my job's I'm happy with. I'm glad I've got a job, but <laughs> it just feels like time, even when I do my job, I'm self-sufficient. I'm there by myself most of the time. Mm. You know, I... I want to engage with others because I want them to see me for me. Yes. And yes. all I've heard since I've been in America, for anyone new, you know, in America, they'd like, oh, I love your accent. And I'm thinking, you're based liking me just for my accent. But I want people <laughs> to see me for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because so many people are afraid of that. People are so afraid of being seen for them normally. So it's great that you're at that stage. It's like, yeah, I want you to see me for me rather than, like you said, just the accent or the facade or whatever it might be. Because even it, get, it was cute. It was cute to the degree when I first heard it. <laughs> but when you get some random person three years down the line in America saying, oh, I love your accent. It's like, and for the podcast, I'm just raising my hands up in like, yeah. <laughs> it gets old pretty quick. <laughs> yes. But yeah, but I think this is, this is the thing as well. It's like, um, 
you know, when you think about dating in general, you have so many people who just like love the facades of people. It's like, okay, you look nice or you've got a nice accent or, oh, you've got a nice job. It's all the superficial stuff that people choose to connect with rather than the values, the beliefs, the interests of, of that person. And that's yeah. what creates yeah. that real connection. And everyone's unique as well. You can't have yes. the same one person. <laughs> so that <laughs> is a thing that people forget as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. And this is the other thing, you know, when people people talk about this level of uniqueness, it's also about discovering the type of relationship that you want as well. Because people sort of fall into the place of like the cookie cutter mindset of, okay, it needs to be this first. So, you know, when we think about society, it's like, okay, you go to school, <laughs> you go to college or you go to university or you go and get a job and then you go and get married. Then you go and have kids. It's like kind of this set little, uh, <laughs> little roadmap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like when people get to this place of like, um, understanding themselves understanding they are unique their partner's unique and it's like okay how does that those two unique um, personalities fit together and what's the unique relationship that they're creating together as well what does that look like what feels good to them um Mm. rather than just falling into line into whatever society thinks is right for them so going back i don't know if you read the book 1984 for example Mm-hmm. That was like a fix where everyone had to listen to a dictatorship. <laughs> Do you think dictating dictates our relationships work, in your opinion? Or is it just people's perception of how they look at it? Yeah, I, I think I think even down to um, I think even down to jobs and things like that dictate uh, our relationships, um, society, and all these different things because. People want to be able to fit in. That's that's mm. literally been driven, you know, driven into us. You know, when we think about the caveman area, if we didn't fit in, we're more likely to be eaten by a massive predator if we're not accepted by a tribe. <laughs> so when it comes to um, things like relationships and the way that we want people to perceive us and perceive our life and perceive our relationships and all these different things, we want it to be acceptable to society. So um, whether that's um, having a certain job, whether that's you know getting married or whether that's having kids or whatever that might be, it's almost like being in this place where it's like, okay, I'm accepted, I'm normal because I've done all the different things. But as soon as we go into things like, um, <laughs> you know, even thinking about things like, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated politics, when we're talking about things like, um, you know, the um, lesbian and gay communities and things like that, you know, all of a sudden, anything that's outside of society or outside the rules that we believe should be right, it suddenly feels unfamiliar and uncomfortable for us to be able to deal with. So, mm. but this is so important to, to be in touch with ourselves and to understand what we actually want and almost go through that level of uncomfortableness because within that vulnerability is what actually creates a healthy relationship. It's going, look, this is me. I can be accepted. I've got a partner who understands me and they accept me. And that's the, that's the beauty of that relationship, being seen and understood and loved for who you are. Mm. So... You also got a website I mm-hmm. briefly touched upon earlier and 
business from your website and uh, bio you, don't you? What is on your website that people would benefit from? Yes, so I'd say, oh, which one would I say to go for first? There's a Meet the One guide. And that's a 15 page guide that goes into all the different steps that you can take in order to meet the one. So it goes through our compatibility matrix to make sure that you're meeting someone compatible. That goes into um, the red flags that you should be looking out for when it comes to uh, meeting a partner who's safe to be with. And then we've also got another training as well. So we've got the Meet the One webinar without wasting time on dating apps. So it's not saying you can't use dating apps. Dating apps are great, but most people don't know how to use them anymore in terms of how to use them to meet a loving partner. Because I think it's something like 51% of people are on dating sites are already in relationships and 12% of those are married, which is quite scary when you look mm. at that, especially if you're a single person looking to go out and meet someone. Yeah, you, you know, over half of your chance of meeting someone or over the half of the uh, people that you're seeing on there are already in relationships. So it's going into the ways of how to make that easier for you to be able to meet the right one and how to go on and create a healthy relationship from that place. And I believe that your website is Lily Wolford. You can tell me if I'm wrong. You can tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, lovewithintelligence.com. <laughs> okay, and that will also be in there. Thank you. <laughs> but Lily, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know we had our technical issues with sound earlier, <laughs> but we're glad we got it fixed now. We've, we've done it. We've got it fixed. <laughs> Yeah, and six months later, we da- down the road, we've finally got to interview. <laughs> we've done it. We've got there. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing your journey today with The Journey. Thank you. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett, produced by Melissa Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.